in the third installment today of a series we are calling Planted Not Buried. You ain't buried in this snow. You are planted in this season. You see, we've said this from the beginning week of this series that being planted isn't a place, it's a perspective. If you're new with us today, I want you to understand that when I say planted, not buried, I'm not talking about getting to the right place or collecting the desired set of circumstances. No, 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 not at all. I am talking about gaining a perspective, the way you see all that you see, so that wherever you find yourself and whatever may be going on, you can say with confidence and with faith, I am planted here, not buried here. It literally changes the way you see everything. And as we've been on this journey, which you can watch some of those previous sermons on YouTube, you can listen to them on our podcast, as we've been exploring this together, what we have discovered in part two is that if you'll get the right character, you can handle any conditions. If you will get the right character developed on the inside of you, then it doesn't matter what happens to you. It does not matter what's going on around you. You can stand firmly planted, recognizing that whatever's happened around you ain't got the power to bury you. Now, while this is most certainly true, there is a particular condition, a particular reality and set of circumstances that... Um, even the most character-focused seeds get dissuaded by. Because ultimately, that's what we are, right? We're seeds. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. We're seeds. But even those seeds that believe by faith, no matter where I'm at, I am planted, not buried, because I know what's in me. There's a certain environment that uh, causes us to question even that which we may believe so strongly. It's something we will refer to as the dark. Let me ask you a question right now. You're welcome to respond in the chat if you would like to. You're welcome to, to talk to your neighbor if you're watching this at the house with some friends sitting around. Listen, listen. Are you afraid of the dark? Are you afraid of the dark? Sometimes people come to our in-person worship experiences, and that's their question. They're like, why is it so dark? And I'm like, why are you afraid of the dark? Nah, I kid. You know, when I was little, the, the dark never really bothered me. I wasn't the type that was afraid of the dark. However, it was that combination of it being dark and incredibly quiet that caused me a little bit of... Uh, consternation, if you will. I got a little worried when it was real, real dark and it was real, real quiet. Because when it's dark and it's quiet, your ears will grow their own hearing aids. And you will hear things and notice things. And there are creaks and sounds and movements that you have never heard in your life. But if it's dark enough and it's quiet enough, all of a sudden you start to notice things you ain't ever noticed before. There's all this darkness and all this quietness and I, I wasn't really ready for all this because I hear things and now I'm nervous and I can't really see, so I'm scared. Now, the truth is, most of us grown folk, most of you watching at church online or listening to the podcast, watching this on YouTube, most of us, the truth is this. We ain't afraid of the dark anymore. Mm. Well, at least not that darkness. Because we get nervous in a different kind of dark. And this kind of dark that I want to speak to you on today. This kind of dark that as we explore the scriptures together, we're going to find is a, is a dark place that many people who follow God, many people who are trying to pursue his purposes and plans for their life will find themselves in at some time or some place. This kind of dark has very little to do with the illumination around you and a whole lot to do 
with a feeling of uncertainty on the inside of you. You see, when I speak of the dark, I speak of a few things specifically today. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. Come on, particularly at Church Online today, man. Let's take notes together. You can pull up our notes from our website. They're available right there on our homepage under the, this week's sermon. You can literally click on it, start filling in the blanks. You can write on a little piece of paper you've got, but let's take some notes today. Because when I speak of the dark, here's what I mean. I mean, would you write this down in your notes? Delay. I'm not talking about somebody turn the lights off around you. I'm not talking about it's dark in your space from a luminescence perspective. I'm talking about a darkness that is delay. When what you need, when what you expect, when what you want takes too long. When you thought what you needed to happen was going to happen by now. It's funny how it feels like the light in your eye gets quelled up and quenched when you thought change was going to come by now. You thought it'd be different by now. You thought you'd be feeling different about this. You thought you'd be healed. You thought you'd be handled. You thought you'd be stable. You thought you'd have the friend that you needed. You thought you would have, you thought you would be there already and you're not there yet. Friend, when I speak of the dark, I'm talking about delay. But I'm also talking about, write this down, anonymity. Anonymity. When you're doing the right thing, but you're not receiving the expected recognition. You live your life in this season and in this moment a bit anonymous. Nobody knows it was you. Nobody gives you credit for your being good. You're doing what you're supposed to do, but, but nobody sees Nobody sings your praises. They don't recognize that you're the one holding this thing together at the office. They don't really talk about how you're the one that helped make that happen for the neighborhood. How you're, Nobody seems to see you and you live anonymous. And it's not that you're even striving or needing or desiring all of this credit. You just don't want to be invisible anymore. You feel like you're in the dark because it's taking longer than you expected. There's a delay because there's an anonymity that sits on you and what you do. Because write this down. Because maybe you've experienced regression when you're faithful, but you perceive that you're going backwards. That it's not that you're not taking ground because you're not. You actually find yourself further from the goal. It seems to be that the dream is further away. It seems to be that what was good for you, what was needed for you, is now harder to arrive at, harder to get to than ever, and you have regressed. When I speak of the dark, I'm speaking of delay and anonymity and regression. And please write this fourth one down. I'm talking to those who feel kenneled yeah like an animal caged up when you're stuck and there seems to be no way forward that this is all that there ever will be for you. I've, I've, I've been in this same position at work. They've, they've seen me in this light. I've been on this level. Our relationship has never gone forward. It hasn't gone backward, but it hasn't gone forward. I feel stuck. What do you do when you find yourself in the dark? When delays become your normality, when anonymity becomes your persona, when regression is the only movement you seem to be making, when you feel kenneled and locked into this seat, this place, this season, and you can't escape from. Can I tell you today, if you feel like you're in the dark right now, I have two words of hope 
Two words of encouragement for you. I don't care where you are. You may be in the city. You, you may be out of the state. It doesn't matter. I don't care where you're listening from, where you're watching from, whether you're tuned in at church online, listening to this podcast. Would you catch this word? If you feel like you're in the dark right now, please know this. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're gathered at church online, some of you, with other people who understand what it's like to live in anonymity. It's not that you're trying to be famous. It's not that you're trying to be known by everybody. You're just trying to be seen. That you've had dreams and visions and hopes and desires for your family, for, for your own self, for your own mental health, for your own career, for what God might do through you. And it seems like all you're ever met with is the next delay. Can I tell you, you are not alone. Somebody in the chat just needs to, by faith right now, say, I am not alone. I am not alone. I am not alone. I know it's dark around you, but you are not alone. And please receive this second word of encouragement. If you're in the dark right now, please understand you're not done. Sometimes when the only thing you've known is a delay, you could feel like this must be my lot. When you've been kindled that long, it may seem like I'll never make it out of this place. This state will be the only state I ever know until they put me six feet under the ground. Please understand, you are not done. When you're in the dark, it can feel so hopeless. When you're in the dark, it can feel like nobody sees and nobody understands and nobody empathizes. But hear me today, you're not done. And I know this, not only personally, but as I read the scriptures, I find that so many of the men and women that God used in incredible ways in their day, people that God used to bring deliverance to others, people that God used to rescue, people that God used to help and to heal and to save and to set free, people that God used to bring about his purposes in the earth. Most of them spent a season they spent years of their life, giant portions, some of them even their entire life, in the dark. It wasn't just a day or a week or a month. It was all they ever knew. They were in dark mode forever. And today I want to turn your attention to a particular biblical figure who's one of the more famous, possibly the most famous biblical character from the Old Testament, but someone who became very well acquainted with living in the dark, someone who understood how difficult it was to navigate life, believing that nobody ever saw, wondering if change would ever come, wondering if what was promised to him would ever become his reality but yet someone who God used greatly. Someone who the, the tale of their lives would outlive their life in such a massive, massive way. The greatness seems at times to overshadow the dark, but don't miss the fact that darkness was a very real part of their life. They were a resident of the dark. Specifically, I'm talking about a man by the name of David. And as a frame of reference today, while we will in just a moment peer into a few moments of his life that not only was he in the light, but in the dark. I want to use as a frame of reference some of his own writings from the dark. I want to read today the 142nd Psalm. David is the primary author of the majority of the Psalms, which were simple songs and poems and these creative expressions that communicated um, to God, about God, and sometimes also about one situation. Sometimes we only view Psalms in this 
uh, positive frame. But if you were to read the Psalms, what you would find is that some of them were disturbing and some of them were difficult and some of them just simply were heart dumps from the writer. And this 142nd Psalm feels more like this heart dumping from someone who was most definitely in the dark. Verse 1 of the 142nd Psalm reads this way. David said, I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel. They have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see no one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. What an interesting way to end a communication of pain and hurt. No one cares for me, David said. I look to the right and think that's where my help's going to come from. And nope, they've set a trap for me. David in the 142nd Psalm is articulating these words from a cave. You don't go into caves because everything's good in your life. <laughs> you found yourself in a cave because you were hiding. There was somebody out to get you. There was something trying to attack you, trying to destroy you, trying to take you out. And David from a cave is pinning these words and he's talking about the anguish he feels in his soul, how dark it is all around him. But then he communicates this refrain of hope. God, I know. You deal generously with me. David probably looked around and said, a lot of people would see my circumstances. A lot of people would see the situation that is my life and say I'm buried. But God, I know you've planted me even here. See, today, friend, what I want to do is I want to help you begin to understand what's going on in the dark. Because some of you, you find yourself in the dark right now. You find yourself experiencing delay. Anonymity is your norm. That regression is the only progress that you have made. You have felt kindled in this season. And I want you to understand what is happening in the dark. See, God doesn't want you to simply become unafraid of the dark. He wants to develop you in the dark. God doesn't simply want you to have the courage to be able to walk through a season of anonymity, to walk through a life uh, that, that feels delayed, to be able to navigate regression with confidence and not be worried. It's not that he simply wants you to not be afraid of the dark. You better hear me. He wants to develop you in the dark. So today I would love to Maybe encourage your faith before I show you what he's doing in the dark. Would you write this down? I need you to know today that the dark won't destroy you. Some of you feel like the delays or the anonymity or the regression or the kindling that is your life is going to destroy you. Sometimes you even say, man, I, I had so much purpose on my life. I thought my life would be different. And you feel like because of the darkness that you are living in, the darkness that you experience right now, that somehow it is destroying your life. You better hear me. The dark won't destroy you. I know sometimes it feels like it's been going on forever. It feels like progress will never come. It feels like nobody will ever see, nobody will ever come in, nobody will ever celebrate, nobody will ever notice and know you. Listen to me. The dark won't destroy you. But not only that, write this down. The dark shouldn't define you. The dark shouldn't define you. The problem that many of us have with the darkness is that we allow it to rename and reframe who we are. 
We allow the darkness that we find ourselves in to become the identity stamped upon us. And we will always be a person caged to this spot. We will always be a person that it takes way longer to ever see than, than, than anybody should have to wait. We will always be someone who lives our lives in anonymity coupled with regression. No, 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 no. The dark should not define you. You're letting it define you by saying nobody will ever know me. You're letting it define you by allowing the dreams that God's put on the inside of you to begin to die on the inside of you. No, no, no. He planted them in you and planted you in this season. And yes, it feels dark, but please understand the dark shouldn't define you because the dark can't deny you. The purposes of God are yes and amen. His promises are true in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, it may have been weeks. It may have been years that you have been in the darkness that you find yourself in right now. But by faith, I want you to understand that the dark can't deny you, but the dark can develop you. It can develop you. This season of regression can develop you. This time that you are in where you feel trapped, you feel kenneled, the, the, the reality that is the delays that have been your life, you thought you would be further along than you are by now. Can I tell you, the delays do not define you. God will use the dark to develop you, which is a hard concept for a lot of us to understand. Because most of us, maybe you're like me, like if I go to take a picture, I'm gonna grab my phone and open up the camera app and start taking pictures. In fact, if you were to hire a professional photographer to come take pictures of whatever thing you have going on, they will bring their digital camera and they may take hundreds of pictures, thousands of pictures in an instant and then they'll upload them to their computer and take a look at them and start editing them from there. But when film, and the idea of taking a picture of a moment first began. And for, for decades, the, there was a process that every uh, piece of film had to go through in order to see the picture it had taken. Because when you would take a picture with a camera, you really had no idea what you were taking a picture of. I know some of you, I just spoke in another language because you ain't never seen that in life. You too young, that's okay. Some of the old folk, you, you remember back when you took pictures by faith. <laughs> I hope that looked good. <laughs> I hope everybody was smiling. I hope nobody was blinking. And you didn't know until it was developed. Because what somebody had to do is they had to take the film and go into a space that was literally called the dark room. And it was in the dark room that you would take the film out and begin to go through a process that we know as developing the film to provide a picture so you could see what you had taken a picture of. And the primary thing that would screw up a piece of film was that it was exposed to the light too soon. See, there was significance to the dark room. There was work being done in the dark, development that was happening. And it had to happen in the dark so that what was developed in the dark could stand in the light. Y'all ain't ready for me because you sit in your house in your pajamas. You better listen to this boy today. Some of you are in a season that is dark all around you and you think you're going to die in the darkness because you thought the darkness was there to bury you. I came to tell you today after a week of snow and ice that the darkness is here to develop you if you'll let it. See, it's in the dark. Please write this down. It's in the dark that God develops your craft. It's in the dark that God develops your craft. There are two things today I want you to understand that God is working on in the dark. Why he's put you in dark mode. There is two, and one of those is your craft. When I speak of your craft, I'm talking about the skills you need to do the thing that you'll ultimately do. It's in the dark that God begins to work on you and what you do and how he's wired you and how he's gifted you. It's in the dark. I remember being younger and always wanting bigger and more opportunities to do whatever it was I felt I was gifted at, whether that be in school, 
whether that be in sports, whether that even be in, in, in ministry work and, and, and speaking and serving and leading and whatever it is it may be. But the older I've gotten, the more I, I, I can stand here today and I can tell you with absolute certainty, absolute veracity, and, and, and absolute gratitude that I am so thankful that God allowed me to learn some things. He allowed me to grow in some ways. He allowed me to develop. He allowed me to try. He allowed me to practice in the dark. Can I tell you as someone who speaks very publicly and consistently now, I am so grateful that there were years and years and years of me speaking without cameras in front of my face. I am so grateful that there were seasons of my life where I'd work real, real hard to communicate a word from God to a bunch of third, fourth, and fifth graders that were going to forget what I had said before they even left the room. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful there isn't video or audio evidence of some of the stuff that's come out of my mouth. I'm grateful that I was able to teach God's word and preach God's word in environments that were supportive while they may not have been celebrated. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that God allowed me to lead in seasons under a covering and I could make leadership mistakes and it wasn't going to wreck the whole organization. I could, I could screw up a, a situation. It wasn't going to make the whole thing fall apart. I'm grateful for it. And I can say that now with all the confidence in the world because I know there were some times where I, I really just wanted the lights to be brighter for myself. But God knew what he was doing. Because now some of the stuff that people know me for, or some of the stuff people will call and ask for my thoughts on, my assistance on, my perspective on, if we or our church or, or, or if an organization could come alongside of they ask for us now. And sometimes I just say, God, thank you for giving me a season a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago that was in the dark because now I can handle this. I've been developed. David's craft was developed in the dark. I think sometimes our picture of David is this superhero that arrives on the scene and he's got everything ready. He's got everything together, but David would not offer the same testimony. See, people know David as that great and brave young man who fought the giant Goliath. Some of you know that story, David and Goliath. You went to vacation Bible school, I know you did. And, and, and you know about some David and Goliath and how he fought Goliath with his sling. And people even have taken that phrase, that story, and turned it into this, this common expression in life. It's a David versus Goliath game taking place. It's a David versus Goliath scenario breaking down in that business deals. David versus Goliath. David wasn't supposed to win because David was small and insignificant, but Goliath was this giant of a man, this Philistine who used to pick on the people of God. But 1 Samuel 17, David goes and fights and defeats Goliath, but he's sort of giving his credence as to why he believes he can do it to the king before he goes out. Because the king's a little nervous about this little boy going out there to fight in the name of the whole country. But he can't get any of his warriors to go fight. And now it's been day after day, week after week, and Goliath continues to pepper insults upon the people of God. And David's like, enough is enough. King, I got this. And the king's like, how do you know you got this? And David says, well, what you don't understand is I've been tending my father's sheep on the, on, on the backside of a mountain. And over there where I was tending the sheep, um, well, sometimes the lion would come and thought he had found an easy way and an easy place to get some free lunch. And he would come and try to attack the sheep. And I would use this same sling over there, and I defeated the lion. Sometimes the bear would come and would try to 
attack the sheep and no bear is about to take none of these sheep. I'm the shepherd. I got to bring these sheep back to my father. And so I defeated the bear too. The lion and the bear, they didn't stand a chance against me. And so if I was able to handle them when nobody saw me, if I was able to handle these problems when nobody knew my name, if I was able to defeat this opposition when nobody knew me, I can handle this uncircumcised Philistine. David's craft got developed before they put the light on. He knew the power of his craft being developed in the dark. People recognized David as the greatest king of Israel, and he most certainly was. But 1 Samuel 22 shows us where this leadership was rooted in. It wasn't just rooted in the fact that somebody put a crown on his head. It wasn't just rooted in the fact that he had a big house. It wasn't just rooted in the fact that he had some title attached to his name. But 1 Samuel 22 actually tells us about a season of Daniel's, of David's life where David is um, not king. He's not affluent. He doesn't have the resources to pay people. But yet he has men that want to follow him because they recognize who he is and they recognize the hand of God on his life and they recognize the direction that he is going in. And so they choose to follow him before he has anything he can offer them. He can't offer them a job. He can't offer them a seat in the cabinet. He can't offer them an easy lifestyle or a, or a paycheck with a 401k. He can't offer them any of that. But they follow him anyway. You know, that's the mark of a real leader. That people will follow you and you can't even offer them any of the monetary um, resources and such that often we are moved by. His craft as a leader was being developed, not when they put the crown on his head, but way before when him and his men sometimes had to hide out in caves because they were being pursued and attacked. David's craft was developed in the dark. And so when he becomes king, when his moment comes, then all of a sudden people think, oh, he was born for this. And David would respond, maybe. But what I know is that when I was in the dark, God developed this within me. There was a book about 15 years ago that was um, a significant work for a lot of people. It was one of those books that you would find everybody had read. It was a book called Outliers by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell. And it's, it's the book that really pushed Malcolm Gladwell into the forefront um, of society where people knew his name. He had written some things before. He's even written some things since that were fantastic. But this was the one that everyone knew him for. He's now, he does one of the most famous podcasts in the world, Revisionist History, and all of this stuff. But it was Outliers that popped him out. And in Outliers, he talks a lot about people who become successful at things. Why do some people seem to become successful at things, and why do other people seem to not? Why, why are some people uh, very, very talented, but yet they never get seen, and other people, what, what is going on with this? And he articulated in a way that became very portable for people an idea that sociologists had discovered and communicated for years. And Malcolm essentially said that there is no such thing as an overnight success. That that may be our perception of it. Oh, look at look how great they are. Man, I never heard of them. They, they've become the biggest thing in the world. And now with the way the internet works and social media and all these things, it's amazing how quickly sometimes we'll discover something and someone will go from relatively unknown to it feels like the whole world knows them in an instant. But he would say that there are no such things, even still, as overnight successes. Because every overnight success, Malcolm would define, was 10,000 hours in the making. That in order to become great at anything, it takes about 10,000 hours of working at that thing to harness and release your full potential. Whether that is as a teacher, or as an accountant, or as a musician, or an artist, or whatever. The thing is, we all see the painting that sells for millions, or the song that goes platinum in a weekend, we, we see these things and we're like, oh, they're incredible. They're an overnight success. But what Malcolm tells is story after story after story of people who, yes, popped in a moment. In one year, they went from being basically unknown to everyone knows them. 
Their, their company went from unrecognized to, uh, to traded in, on the stock market in, in a moment, it feels like. But there was always work behind the scenes in the dark that enabled that to happen. You see, some chagrin those dark moments. And they get tired of working on it, but it never getting to where I want it to go. Doing the thing, but it never taking me to where I want it to take me. But it's that work that happens in the dark that enables you to be the overnight success that people love to clamor about. Now, I'm not necessarily the biggest Taylor Swift fan, just not necessarily my style of music. <laughs> but I can't help but be awestruck by the phenomenon that she is. And so my wife and I have watched a couple of those little, the little movie documentary things that have been out there about Taylor. And the thing is this, Malcolm's rule, 10,000 hours, applies to her too. I mean, now she just announces a concert and she can fill up the largest stadiums in our country and around the world. But that didn't happen overnight. Because when she was a kid, she was writing songs very much in the same flow and genre that she writes today, but just about her 11-year-old life. And performing her, them on her pink Barbie guitar with her little microphone on a stand and singing them to her grandparents. But she was getting those reps in. She wasn't chagrining the dark when she would, at 14, be invited to uh, sing in some place and work for hours and not be compensated and not, even one, or not even be able to receive the applause of the people in the room because she was just background music for them, but she was getting those reps in. See, some of us right now are in the dark. The problem is we're not allowing the dark to develop us. You maybe are in the dark with what God has for your life in the dark relationally, in the dark at your job. I need you to understand the significance of the dark is it will be the place where your craft gets developed, that God develops, write this down, in the dark. But we have to be diligent in the dark. Oh yes, God does the developing work in the dark, but you and I have to be diligent to be about his business, to be about that work in the dark, otherwise we'll never get the development out of the dark that we hoped for. It's amazing to me how many people who say they want to lead other people, but they're in the dark right now and they don't even lead themselves well. It's amazing to me how, how much and how often people talk about wanting to be promoted. They feel like they're in the dark because they don't receive a promotion. Problem is, they ain't even willing to show up on time right now. It's funny to me in the church space when people talk about how they want to lead more, and I find that they're not even serving well with what they have right now. Same thing happens at work. You want to be the manager, but the problem is you come in late and leave early. What? What? Your general manager doesn't want more of you, and not if you're going to be like that. People want to have an audience. They want people to look to them and lean to them. But the problem is you're not willing to invest faithfully, and sacrificially with all you've got in front of a few right now. But yet you want dozens or hundreds or thousands or millions to listen to you. That's neat. But you're not developing in the dark. Hear me. Don't miss your moment in the light because you weren't diligent in the dark. See, I believe today that God is looking for some people, maybe even you right now at Church Online, maybe even you, that God is looking for some people right now who are not bothered by the fact that you haven't been found yet, that nobody's recognized you yet, that you haven't been seen, you haven't been promoted, you haven't been celebrated, you haven't found the relationship, you still are in the dark. But yet you're faithful in the dark. You're working in the dark. You're growing in the dark. Can I encourage you today? Be diligent 
in the dark. Because it's in the dark that God develops your craft. But it's also in the dark, would you write this down, that God develops your character. It's in the dark that he develops your craft and your character. There's that word again for those of you that join us for part two, character. Character is the person you need to become in order to do the thing that you ultimately do. What do I mean? I mean you don't just need the goods. You don't just need the innate talents and abilities, the skills, the personality. You don't just need the goods. You need to become the kind of person who can handle the goods. Because the reality is your craft can take you places that your character cannot keep you. You can become so talented. You can become so gifted. You can become so well-crafted that it can open up doors for you that you do not have the character to handle the weight that comes with where your talent is trying to take you. See, the dark isn't just where your craft is developed. It's where your character is crafted. And the character of David was developed in the dark. Oh, his craft was most definitely, but so was his character. 1 Samuel 19, David is brought in to the king to play his harp and his lyre for him because the king is literally going crazy. And it's the playing of the harp and the lyre skillfully that seems to calm the anxiety that he feels. David is in there serving the king as he had been asked to do. And the king decides to start hurling spears at David to try to kill him because he was crazy, because only crazy people throw spears, and because he was jealous. But David doesn't retaliate like he could, like maybe he had right or reason to, because he recognized in this moment God was developing something on the inside. You know, to give you a little history on David's life, David was anointed as king by the prophet Samuel through the hand of God before the present king, Saul, had passed away. There was a time in the nation of Israel where they had the original king, Saul, and they knew who the next king was going to be, and the original king was worried by the new king. He was intimidated by who David was and who David would become. He was scared because God had taken his anointing off of him, even though he still allowed him to occupy that space. And his anointing was now put on David. The rage and the jealousy that this caused within Saul created a situation for David where David spent more than a decade of his life, essentially all of his 20s, running for his life from King Saul. If you were to read some of the books of 2 Samuel, the Chronicles, you would find constant running. David trying to hide out. David at the end of 1 Samuel trying to just, trying to just live. <laughs> and one day, David and his men are actually in a cave because, again, that's where you go to hide. And they're in the back of this cave when they notice somebody walk into the cave. They're in this cave because Saul and his men are out in this area and they're looking for David because they're trying to kill him. And in walks someone into the cave who then turns his back to the men at the back of the cave because he doesn't recognize that they're there. The way 1 Samuel 24 communicates it is that Saul walked into this cave to relieve himself. To make that plainer for you, Saul went into the cave take a poop. And it was there while he was relieving himself that David's men said, hey, that's Saul. The reason we're hiding in this cave is right there. Let's go kill him now. To which David thought for a second, you know, I'd like to not live my life hunted. But instead he comes up near Saul and unbeknownst to Saul, cuts off a corner of his robe. Saul gets done and he leaves the cave. And God began to move in the heart of David to step out of the cave and go confront Saul. And he did. 
And he told Saul, I had the opportunity to kill you. Here's the corner of your rope. I was right behind you with knife in hand. But I knew I could not touch the Lord's anointed. And so please, stop trying to kill me and my people. But it's another picture of the character in David being developed. Character that he would need to lead well as king. Character that he would need to be able to do what God said and not do what God said don't do. Character he would need to be able to, to provide all the resources his son would need to build a temple for God. But recognizing his hands had shed too much blood to do this for God. Character. Character. The right character can handle any conditions. The right character can handle the irrelevance you feel in the dark and the intensity that you attract in the light. But too often, we're most worried about our craft. When Can I tell you what God is most concerned about today, friend? Wherever you are and whatever you may be going through in life, he's most concerned about your character. What's going on on the inside? Because some of you, you feel like you have the craft down. You feel like you can lead at your company. You feel like you could do more at the school you serve at. You, you feel like, you, feel like you, could, you could make a difference on your team. You could make a difference in the city. You could serve in a greater capacity. You feel like the craft is there. Is the character? Do you have the character to handle God answering the prayers you're praying right now? Because some of you come to God and you've got the most sincere heart. You really do mean it. You really do believe it. You really are praying. But the reality is you're praying for an outcome. You're praying for a difference. You're praying for him to turn the light on. The delay to be done. The anonymity to be over. The regression to move to progression. The kindling to have the, the captive set free. But do you have the character to handle God answering the prayers that you're praying? Because you're praying for God to bless you. It's a wonderful prayer. But the problem is right now, you're not even willing to give God credit for what he's done presently in your life. But you want him to bless you with more. <laughs> Why would he do that? If you don't have the character to give him praise, honor, and glory for what he's brought into your life, even right now. You want him to increase you, to increase your resources, to increase your influence. The problem is you ain't even trusting God with the money he's given you right now. You don't tithe and return to him what's his. You don't bring offerings to him to further the work of the, of the kingdom of God. In the, you don't do that. But yet you're praying, God, increase me. Why would when you don't have the character to handle more? You're praying for God to take away that struggle out of your life. But the reality is that struggle is the only thing keeping you tethered to him right now. Because if you didn't have that struggle, you'd never talk to him. Because the only thing you ever want to talk about is that difficulty, that pain, that ailment, that hurt, that relationship that feels so. It's the only thing. And if the struggle went away, so would your lifeline to him. Maybe you don't have the character to handle the answer to the prayer you're praying right now. And the reason it's dark is because God is trying to develop within you the character that can handle not only him answering that prayer, but the prayer you didn't even know to pray yet. See, when your character gets ready, then you're ready. But if your character ain't ready, listen to me. You ain't ready. So stop trying to escape the dark and embrace what God is developing in the dark. For a moment, wherever you are, could, could you even just like place your hands on your own chest and begin to ask God for the faith to, to embrace the season you're in right now. To embrace this delay. To be thankful for the anonymity. To, 
to not speak with chagrin over the regression that you experience, but to recognize that maybe the reason you've taken a step or two back is because he's trying to set you on a different course. And that's, that's okay. Just be grateful for it. And to say, God, continue to develop within me the character. Continue to work on the craft that, that, you're, that you're doing in me. God, help me to be faithful in this season. I know I feel stuck, and I talk to you about how I feel stuck all the time. But God, give me grace to handle this moment well. Because listen, I know what it's like to live in the dark. There are things in my life that I thought would happen in weeks that it took years to happen. There are things even now that I am praying for and believing for that, that I thought would have long since been done. And it's been months. It's been years. And it's still the same. Or it's even regressed. Or I still feel like nobody knows. And people should know. You know what I've learned, though? That the darkness is usually less about getting the craft ready and more about getting your character ready. More about getting my character ready. It doesn't make you a bad person. But it does mean that maybe you need to turn in, even today, and lean into what God is developing on the inside of you. To embrace the dark. To realize that even though it's dark, I'm planted, not buried. But the Lord today is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like the day. I thought it would happen already, but God, if this ain't your timing, keep working on me, like that old song said, to make me what I ought to be. Keep working on me, God. Because when you embrace the dark, you choose to see this place. You choose to see this season. You choose to see this moment as a place that you are planted, not buried. So listen to me today, friend, as we close. If you feel delayed, if you feel obscure, if you feel like you're regressing and you're wondering if God even cares, hear me, he does. He is for you. He loves you. He is with you. But maybe it's time for you to pray a new prayer today. And say, God, what are you trying to develop in me? Instead of praying, God, move me along, and God, advance me, and God, fix this, and God, turn the light back on. God, what are you trying to develop in me? Because I know I'm not buried. I'm planted. So change me. Grow me. Come on, sitting right there in your kitchen right now. Would you just pray this with me? Watching this in your living room, trying to go for a walk and not slip. Would you just stop for a second and pray this with me? And say, Heavenly Father, today, help me to be someone who is open and willing for you to develop me in the dark. I'm willing for you to change me, for you to grow me, for you to strengthen me, for you to do all you need to do for my craft and my character. Make me what I ought to be for your honor, your glory, and the good of people all around me. Help me to remember that even in the dark, I am planted, not buried. And in due season, you will accomplish everything you have set for me if I stay planted where you've called me to be. I love you. Jesus, we pray all this in your precious name. And everybody said it.